0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, I just felt a little bit like a salmon swimming upstream over there. <laughs> well, are you happy this Christmas season? Feeling happy? Uh, my life's about to get, potentially, way too much happiness in my house because all of the grandchildren are showing up and, and, and that's, that's good and I do love that. Um, uh, but lots of things about happiness. But I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about the ideas of happiness and joy um, and some of the differences between them. There's not a lot of difference between them. Happiness and uh, joy, are basically the words are defined the same way. Uh, When you look at the words, he talks about, you know, this intense pleasure and, and enjoyment and excitement, all of those kinds of things for happiness and for joy. And happiness, so happiness can come from lots of places. It can come from the things outside us, the things that are going on, the people that are in our lives and, and activities and events and all of that we can experience happiness from. But there's also a ex- uh, happiness that we can experience that comes from way down deep, comes from the inside, the kind of happiness that God gives us on the inside that's not dependent on the events and things that are happening on the outside. Uh, and we call that happiness, we should refer to that happiness as joy. Joy, this happiness that God gives us deep down inside and isn't dependent on what's going on outside of us. Because have you ever noticed that there's a lot of things in your life that you have this much control over? Zero control over. You have, you know, things you can respond, but you have con- a lot of things happen. And so if your happiness depends on those things outside of you that are out of your control, happiness becomes fleeting, doesn't it? It comes and it goes and it comes and it goes. Sometimes, even when we have it, somehow or other, it just doesn't quite satisfy like we thought it would, you know, and, and then it disappears. But the kind of happiness that God gives us, when, when our happiness is coming from Him, when we have that joy down inside of us which God is producing, well, man, that is not dependent on what happens around you. And so it doesn't have to go away. And, and this is an amazing thing, very, very valuable thing, that you can be, you find yourself in the worst of circumstances in life, really bad circumstances, but you can still have this joy inside. So you can still have that happiness, but it's a happiness which God has given you and it's not dependent on it. I mean, this is such a valuable thing. I know that for my wife and I, we've, we've talked about this and observed it in our lives. When, when you go through life, and, and aren't there some dark times that come in life? There always are dark times that come in life, things that, once again, maybe out of your control completely, but whatever, you're having to deal with them in dark. But that we have experienced in the middle of those things, even though, oh man, that gets you emotionally and pulls you here and hits you here and you're trying to figure out, But when you just stop for a moment and you realize that, wow, I'm connected to the God who can rule over all of this. I'm connected to the God that no matter what happens out here, he is going to use it for his good in my life. He's not gonna waste this pain. And I can have this joy that wells up inside. And it sustains you because, man, when you don't have happiness on the outside and you don't have this, deep happiness, joy on the inside, man, things get really dark, don't they? And so, such a privilege to be able to have this inside of us. Now, we at Christmas time. Are there any things that bring you happiness and joy at Christmas, right? Yeah, I mean, how many of you like all the lights? Okay, how many of you uh, like everywhere you go they are playing Christmas music? A few less hands there, okay. <laughs> How many of you work someplace where they're playing the same songs over and over again all day? Yeah, Okay, that's a different response, right? How many of you enjoy the, the get-togethers with family and friends, right? How many of you enjoy getting together with your church family and it's Christmas, you know, and, and watching the kids at Christmas, isn't that cool? You know, and just uh, experiencing that with them. Uh, very special. And so uh, all of these things. but here's the deal. If all those things that we just talked about, if that is your source of happiness, you are at risk because those things are fleeting. Because you understand that next year when this rolls around, there might be somebody that's real important to your life who's no longer here. You, there might have been some huge financial meltdown for you and it's just gonna, you know, just be this, this dark cloud over everything next year. Uh, maybe someone's health is going to really turn for the worse. Or, you know, sometimes relationships get broken and the same people aren't there, you know, there's tension. And if that is your source of happiness, all of this stuff, you're in a world of hurt. And and so you say, wow, Walt, man, why don't you bring some gloom and doom to Christmas? (laughs) It's not my my goal, not my point. What I want to do is to challenge you to begin finding your happiness from a much deeper place, okay? A much deeper place where you have joy from the Lord that will endure even when those things around you go haywire and get messed up. And then that can free you up to just enjoy whatever good is out there because you already inside have this deep happiness, this joy from the Lord. And so what we want to do today is look at the Christmas story. Think about the Christmas story, reasons for joy that we have, and certainly we won't be able to touch on nearly all of them. But the Christmas story, at its root, a couple weeks ago we talked about it, is that God, the Son of God, did what? He became a man. He became a human being. That's a little hard thing to get your head wrapped around that God himself actually took on human form he was still god and he was was fully human being like us too except for sin no sin but because of this reason for choice that god understands us God understands us. It isn't like some God out there in the distance who we're just totally disconnected from. God understands us. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says that this high priest, referring to Jesus, this high priest of ours does what? Understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do Yet he did not sin. Of course, he was God, he didn't sin. But I want you to understand, he understands our weaknesses. He understands our problems. He understands our struggles. Isn't it nice when you're in the middle of a problem and you run into somebody who's been through what you're going through? Right. So, This last week, uh, I uh, took Amber into uh, Boston to the Spain Spain consulate, okay, because she had to turn in paperwork to try to get her visa so she can head off to Spain as a missionary for a couple years in January. And, man, there's so many hoops. I mean, let me just step back and say this. I know she's my daughter, okay, but I'm just telling you that if you observe how Amber has gone through this whole process, you'd be very, very proud of her. Because, man, she has stepped up and figured it out and stuck her neck out and trusted God and just pressed through. But it was interesting, as, as she was in the Spanish consulate waiting in what we thought was going to be a 15-minute appointment, and so I went to Starbucks, you know, <laughs> and it becomes a half an hour, an hour, two hours, three hours, right? And finally, about the last hour, I showed up and we had another hour, and I, but I'm observing. And what I'm observing there is that up there's three of them there, three young people there with different visa issues. And they're all kind of overwhelmed and trying to figure out what in the world do we do. But what's neat is they had started to talk to each other. And it helped. Why did it help? Because they what? They understood. They understood. And we have a God who understands. He understands when things are happening to you that are out of your control, coming at you from the outside, and you can do nothing about it. He understands when the problem is yours and you're the one who's crossed the problem and you know made the mistake he, he understands all of that what a blessing is and what a reason for joy isn't it you can remember in the, whatever happens however bad things get out here is that inside god knows what i'm going through and he understands he understands all right, another reason for joy, is we look at this story, the characters of this story, I mean, later on we have a, a, you know, kings, three, we call them three kings, it just says, the Bible says three wise men, but we have King Herod, and he's a bad guy. I mean, he's a really a bad guy in the story. But the, the key characters in this, what we read today, they're, they're Joseph, they're Mary, and the shepherds. And, and, and the overall scheme of things in our world did anybody know these people? They were nobodies, weren't they? Nobodies as far as the world was concerned. But let me tell you, with God, nobodies are somebodies. Nobodies are somebodies. Nobody is a nobody. <laughs> it gets kind of weird trying to explain this that way. But nobody is just nobody. In the eyes of the world, probably most of us here today are nobodies to a lot of people, aren't we? But what's interesting is those are the kind of people that Jesus connected with and who connected with him. As it says in Mark, that the common people, the average Joe, heard him gladly. They connected, they responded. Because Jesus values everyone the same. Everyone is equally valuable to him. Everyone is equally loved. You remember growing up in school? Weren't there always some kids who were just, you know, nobody really wanted to hang with them? I'm not saying that's right, but isn't that the way it is? Maybe you were that kid. But with Jesus, nobody's like that. Everybody's in the same group. And I remember when I was in school, you know, and it's high school, it was a big high school, and so there are all sorts of different groups, but man, there was the top group that everybody knew. You know, they were the best athletes and the, the prettiest and the most handsome and the coolest. And, and everybody kind of hoped you'd be a part of that group, but most everybody wasn't a part of that group, right? And then they were down the line, and then the bottom group, the people who, whatever. What I want you to know is, is with the Lord, nobody is just a nobody. Everybody is somebody. Because God so loved the world. Every human being. Jesus died for every human being. He has plans and purposes for every human being. Good things he desires to accomplish in the lives of every human being. He includes every human being in his plans, his eternal plans. Isn't that good to know? Isn't that a reason for joy? I mean, has anybody snubbed you recently? You know, someplace, somehow, yeah. When that happens to you, you need to think, well, what do they know? God who knows me perfectly values me and says I'm a somebody. He died for me, okay? And so that's a great reason to have joy. And if you're depending on how people value you out here, you're in trouble. But when you say, wait a minute, here's how God values me. That's not fleeting. That's enduring. Then in the, in the, uh, uh, the scriptures tell us this related to uh, Christ. Matthew 121. The angel instructed Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What a joy it is to be able to say, we have a Savior. We have a Savior. Now, I think most of us understand if we will really just sit and think about it for a little bit that we need a Savior. Because every one of us, if we, you know, by the way, do people do good things? Can people do good things? Sure they can, why? They made in the image of God. God made them in his image. But the problem is, is that sin has come along and messed with that image. And so we don't do just good, do we? We also find ourselves selfish. We can find ourselves snarky. We can find ourselves overly angry. We can find ourselves addicted. We can find ourselves doing hurtful things, right? we've all done it. We've all not loved God as we should. We've all not loved our fellow man as we should. See, we need a Savior because we've all sinned. We are sinners. And so Jesus came, and he becomes a man and lives this perfect human life so that he has no sins that he has to to be concerned about, and so the thing is, he can then pay the penalty for my sins and pay the penalty for yours, because he had none of his own that he had to pay for. And so as he dies on the cross, he does just that. God takes the, the guilt for my sin and your sin and the sins of the whole world, and he dies bearing that guilt, paying the penalty in full for us, rising again from the dead in victory after that. And so that, if we will choose to accept that for ourselves, receive Christ as our Savior, every sin we've ever committed or ever will commit, completely forgiven. You see, somebody's going to pay, aren't they? Somebody's going to pay. It's it's like this, and this is a very small scale, might seem trivial. But if, if you go out to eat, and you go to eat and maybe you and your friends or family, and you, you eat and eat and eat and you order this and you order that and desserts for everybody and the second dessert and you're doing all, have this great time, all these appetizers, and then you get the bill and then you start going, <laughs> uh-oh. And you realize you can't pay. And so you go up to, to call for the manager and say, I, I can't pay. I'm sorry, you know, he says, well, what? Ah, don't worry about it, you can leave. I mean, theoretically, that could happen somewhere, but it's not, right? Somebody needs to pay. And you say, well, I can't pay. And he says, well, I don't care if you pay, but somebody's gotta pay, right? Somebody's gotta pay. And so if there was someone who had overheard this and knew this and came along and said, hey, I will pay. I'm glad to pay. I, I wanna pay for you, and then I'd like to have a relationship with you and get to know you. Are you willing to do that? If I pay for you, are you willing to, you know, have a relationship with me and get to know me? And, and you know, see where that takes us. Are you willing to do that? All right, so if you say yes, which would make sense, okay, yes, I will do that. Then the bill gets paid. Does the guy who the bill's owed to care who pays it? He doesn't care, he just has to get paid. And here's the deal for us and our sins. Somebody's gonna pay. Because God is a holy God who we have sinned against, and that puts us in a really bad place so much so that it separates us in our relationship with God. If we die in that condition, we we'll are separated from him forever in a place called hell. Jesus has paid in full and has that payment ready and available for you, and you have a choice to make. Are you going to accept his payment, or are you going to say, no, I'm going to pay myself? I know I can't really pay for it, but I'm going to do it myself. Somebody's going to pay. Might as well let Jesus pay. But here's the reason for Joy. Right now, I want you to think for just a little bit. In fact, we're not going to pray. Just close your eyes. I want you to think about something for just a moment. I want you to think right now of something in your life that is one of the most despicable things you ever did. The ugliest thing you've ever done. The most sinful, bad, not good thing you have ever done in your life. Maybe other people know about it, maybe other people don't. But here's the deal. If you receive Christ as Savior, that ugliest thing is forever forgiven. Forever. How right, you can open your eyes again. Do you get the depth of that? Reason for joy, isn't it? And then multiply all the other things. All right, another reason that we can have joy uh, here at Christmas is because we have reason to sing. Man, how many Christmas carols are there? I don't know, a bunch of them, right? And, and we sing all the time. And do you realize that um, the Christian religion is very much a singing religion, and compared to, it's, it's, it's unique in the world. Uh, Muslims really do not include singing in their worship. In fact, they even worry about whether, what kind of music's okay. I mean, it's really tight, but they don't have any, joyful expression of singing in their worship. Hindus, have; a, they do have some music, but it's, it's usually two kinds of things. One, it's either trying to, it's, it's kind of telling a story so they remember the stories, but it's almost always about trying to get yourself okay so that you can connect with God, somehow connect with God, and that's why they end up with the chanting and the mantras, and, and so they don't have music like that, like Christianity. Do. But Christianity, we sing, don't we? Why? Because he has redeemed us, hasn't he? We who didn't deserve it, he loved us and redeemed us and saved us and, and gave us meaning in life and life and holds us secure and all these things, reason to celebrate, reason to sing. Psalm 40, uh, David writing about these things, he talks about what God did for him. He said, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. That's the way your life is with, when you don't know Christ. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. And then the next verse, he says, He has given me a new song to sing. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. A reason to sing. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord. We have reason to sing. Uh, Have you ever known somebody when life was falling apart, next thing you know, they're humming a tune? Or singing a song of praise to the right? Why? Because see, it it comes from where? From the outside? No, this song is coming from the inside. He's given us a reason to sing. And then finally, the last thing I I see here, uh, because Jesus came into our world, the Son of God became a man. He came into our presence as humanity, And because he came into our presence and what he accomplished there, we can boldly enter God's presence. Boldly enter God's presence. The scripture says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. It's like a little kid. Um, Let me say, as I watched this last year, actually a little over a year ago now, and, and I don't know how any of you feel about President Trump and that's not what I'm interested in talking about today, okay, because uh, that's a real mixed thing for a lot of people. What I do want to say is this. It was interesting last in fall because they had, you know, they were interviewing him and then all of a sudden the grandkids came into this office. And the grandkids just see him as who? Grandpa, Grandpa that's all they weren't, you know, particularly, they just went, you know, got up in his lap and talked to him and went to stuff and all this kind of stuff, while all these other people, wait, this is Mr. Trump. And they weren't like that. They were what? Free to boldly enter his presence. Well, from a logical standpoint, just purely logical standpoint, Does it make sense to you to boldly go in the presence of God, of a holy God who you have sinned against? Does that make sense? No, 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 no. It only makes sense because we have a Savior. Jesus has opened this to us so that we, like those little grandkids, can just walk right in and say, Father, I need something. I need help. And that's what it says there. We will find grace to help us when? What's it say? When we need it most. When do you need it most? Do you need it most when, you know, things are happening in your life that are totally out of your control, all these things coming to you like we've talked about it, you know, health issues, financial issues, relational issues, uh, whatever, the car, anything, right? All that stuff coming at you. And you're trying to figure out, how in the world do I deal with it? Maybe that's when you need it most. That's how you feel it most. It may be that you're actually looking at a situation in life where most of what's going on and most of your problems are your fault. Because you've made some really bad choices and then you've multiplied those bad choices and you've sinned and you've created this huge thing. And from a human perspective, we would say, hey, when it's not my fault, I can go to God, can't I? I can walk in and say, God, I need your help, and this is not my fault, I need your help. But when it's my fault, when I'm the one who has disobeyed God and now I'm experiencing the consequences of it, in a perfectly, just a normal human setting, we're gonna think what? Can I go in and say, hey God, I really messed it up this time, I need your help. We don't think that way, we think, oh no, I can't really go there, but you can whether it's happening to you and not your fault, or whether you're the one who's caused the problem, you can go to God and say, oh God, I need your help. Now that help may be different depending on how you got there. But you are free to enter his presence like that. Jesus removed every obstacle. He really did. And so today, we have reason for joy from the Christmas story. God understands us. Nobodies are somebodies. We have a Savior. We have reason to sing. We can boldly enter his presence. And the idea is this, that if we can begin to focus on these kinds of things, this is a Christmas story, but when we start thinking about life this way, boy, th- that list goes way beyond Christmas, doesn't it? We see these joys found in Christmas, but this list goes way beyond Christmas and can affect everything else in your life. We have reason to have joy. And let me just encourage you today, if you're here and you have never made that once and for all decision to receive Jesus as Savior, like I talked about earlier, you realize that you've sinned against a Holy God, and your sins have separated from him, and you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead, then right now you can say, oh God, I trust that. I, I, have, I can't fix this problem. I receive Christ as my Savior. I receive his payment for my sins, and yeah, I do want this relationship with you. Just open your heart to him. Let's bow our heads and pray here. If you need to make that decision, right now silently in your own heart before God, just say, God, I, I need to do what pastor's talking about. I, right now, God, the best I know how, I receive Christ as Savior and place my faith in him for the forgiveness of my sins and eternal life. Nobody else knows what you're saying, but you know and you say it to God in your heart right now. Don't hesitate. And for all of us who here who've already made that decision, and for those of you who may have just made that decision, let me say to you, the the second best decision you can make, the first one is to receive Christ as saved, the second best decision you can make is to follow the Lord and live like a Christian. And so whatever decision needs to happen for you today to... to, uh, be where you know you need to be with God. Would you just right now in your heart again speak to the Lord silently? He hears, He knows. And let me say as well if you prayed with me today to receive Christ as Savior, please let us know. There's a lot you need to learn, and a lot we want to help you with. So please let us know somehow, some way. Father, thank you for this great news, good tidings of great joy at time, And I pray, Father, that in our relationship with you, we would begin to experience this deep happiness that only you can give us. And so we can enjoy all the other happiness in life, Lord, but it comes and goes. We want this deep happiness, this joy that only you can give. And we thank you that you've made a way for us to have it. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.